Welcome to the Nonprofit Hub Radio Podcast, where we highlight nonprofit innovators, leaders, and influencers every week that are changing the sector for the better. I'm your host, Delaney Mullinex, Executive Director of Nonprofit Hub. If you're not for profit and all for purpose, you're in the right place. You see, we know you're already doing good, but we've designed this podcast to help nonprofit professionals find growth, joy, and connection. So tune in weekly for new episodes to elevate your cause, spread the news, and share the resources we share with you. Build momentum and be unstoppable at the 2023 CauseCamp Nonprofit Conference. CauseCamp is named one of the top nonprofit conferences of the year. Everyone who attends the conference is there to work with you to solve real issues facing your organization from trivial to complex. Level up your professional knowledge and the strategies of your organization with insights from the top minds in the sector. Get to know nonprofit peers nationwide at pre and post show events and visit over 35 resource and solution providers in Camper Village. Join us on September 14th and 15th on America's Rock and Roller Coast in Huron, Ohio. For more than 150 years, people have chosen the Lake Erie region as their destination to connect with each other and create new memories. Grab your ticket at www.cause.camp and reignite your purpose at Cause Camp 2023. Hey everyone, Delaney here, the Executive Director of Nonprofit Hub. I get to speak with Crystal Cherry and Renee Rubin-Ross in this Nonprofit Hub Radio episode. You may know Crystal Cherry from one of our most loved webinars on best practices and board engagement. Um, Crystal Cherry is the founder of The Board Pro, and Renee Rubin-Ross is a recognized leader on board and organizational development. She's the founder of The Ross Collective, and Crystal and Renee have teamed up to produce a diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging training to empower nonprofit boards. We talk about this, the principles they use in their work, and the impacts of this training for nonprofit organizations in this episode and more. Welcome, ladies. Hi there. Hello. Great to be here. Yes, so excited to have you guys. Um, we're talking about the, the very important topic of uh, diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging um, as it relates to your nonprofit board and the leadership of your nonprofit organization. And I would love for uh, Renee and Crystal for you guys to introduce yourselves and just share more about what you do and um, maybe a little bit more touching on how we're talking about training today. Sure. My name is Crystal Cherry. Um, My pronouns are she, her. Um, I am excited to be here. Thank you for having us, Delaney. Um, The name of my firm is The Boy Pro, and I work with nonprofit boards on everything from recruitment to onboarding to fundraising to DEI. And so um, a few years ago, I ran into Renee in one of those Zoom rooms in the Zoom spaces, and um, she and I clicked and realized we had some things in common. We love talking about boards. We love talking about diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging. And uh, we started working together. And so now she's stuck with me. And um, uh, we've come up with this deep dive training that we're excited to be here to talk to you about. Cool. Well, yeah, you guys are definitely in good company. I'm glad that you guys got connected. And for those of you uh, maybe are familiar with Crystal, she did an amazing uh, webinar with Nonprofit Hub only a few months ago on board engagement best practices. And that one was so popular that it's on our on-demand page. So we'll be sure to link that in our podcast notes today, too, so you guys catch that. Um, and Renee, um, please introduce yourself, too. 
Awesome. Dr. Renee Rubin-Ross, I use she, her pronouns, identify as a white person and consultant, um, and am a mompreneur, like, like Crystal, um, do a lot of strategic planning work and also board governance uh, trainings. And I, one of the things that I do in addition to consulting is I run the Cal State East Bay Nonprofit Management Certificate Program. And some of my work with Crystal came out of um, running this program and teaching board development, strategic planning. Our students are really a, a rainbow of people. Uh, and we were talking about boards and I started to share some of the statistics about uh, board composition and my students were like okay this is not this is not okay and not only do <laughs> I want to understand this but what do we do about it? Mm -hmm. and so that was where it's like it's not enough to understand the problem how do we start building solutions and that's what was like oh you're right okay what do we do about it and that got me on a whole journey uh, and I got to as mentioned met Crystal along the way as a fellow speaker and presenter and somebody who cares deeply about this work. And um, it's really, really meaningful to work as a cross-race team. We bring different perspectives, we bring different styles, but they uh, really complement each other and we just keep learning and modeling the kind of listening um, and collaboration that we, we need to see much more on board. Yeah. Yeah, of course. I always love to ask this question. What, um, what types of causes are you guys passionate about personally? Um, Crystal, why don't we start with you? Ooh, um, my causes usually revolve around women and children. Um, so I usually give, I mean, I'm a donor. And so I usually give to organizations that support them. I know St. Jude is a regular for me. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's an organization here called the Center for Black Women's Wellness here in Atlanta that supports Black women who are low income and can't afford their own health care. Um, I also support an organization called Black Mamas Matter, and they are an organization that supports Black women and their reproduct reproductive rights. So, yeah, so I usually linger around those kinds of missions. They seem to uh, make my heart throb. Yeah, I... Um... I was going to say earlier, I love the fact that you guys are both uh, female entrepreneurs. And I love that Kia Krimoy says CEO. Um, so it totally makes sense that, that you support women and children and um, empowering women. Uh, I love that. Uh, what about you, Renee? Wow, that is such a hard one. Because I feel like every time I start working with a client, and I'm so inspired by their work that I'm like, this is the best organization ever. Multi-passionate, multi-passionate. <laughs> I'm on board with you. Um, but <laughs> let's see, um, a lot of environmental organizations, um, health. We had a client recently that was working on health and health equity. Crystal and I worked with an organization. Um, food justice is a big one in California. Um, and social service. I mean, we work with some social service organizations too. I would say that the commonality and among all these organizations really like, okay, we're going along on the path and now all of a sudden right turn, you know, or left turn or whatever it is, you know, like that things are not working in this key way, or maybe they haven't been working and we're going to need to make some big shifts. And that's when we get the call. Yeah. 
Um, Crystal, I know St. Jude has one, a really excellent DI program. Is that correct? Do you know anything about their programming? Yeah, and I know that they do a really good job of trying to diversify not only the, the um, children that they work with, but their uh, staff and their donors. Yeah. Uh, and so that was one of the reasons that, that they appealed to me is that I know that they have done a really good job work, look, reaching out to black and brown people, um, soliciting their support for their work, and particularly the Hispanic and Latina community. And I've been yeah. impressed with that. Yeah. Very good. Um, well, I'd love to know a little bit more about the partnership between you two. Um, I mean, how how do you feel that the multiracial partnership is benefiting the work that you're doing with the training? So many different things. So, so I guess um, concretely, when we we do this training, there's a, there's a whole process. There's um, an assessment, and then we come back together and we do a series of workshops. And some of the time, we are all at, coming together as a group. But then, you know, and, and a group of people from all different racial backgrounds, but we also have led caucus meetings and that's, and I will meet with the group of people who identify as white. Crystal has led the BIPOC and Black Indigenous People of Color Caucus, which is another way that we can say, um, we're, in other words, that we, we are able to, and yeah, I think that, that different people are more open to the message from one or the other of us. And then just personally, as a white person, I, I only lead the conversations around equity. If there are, if there is a mixed group of people, I will only do that as part of a cross-race team. I don't think I can really um, represent the lived experience of, you know, of racism without having somebody else who can really speak to that. So that's my right. commitment. But yeah, Crystal, what do you say? Yeah, so the topic of race is, is it's it's prickly for a lot of people. Like, yeah. They're uncomfortable with it. You know, they know it's a conversation that needs to be had, but they still don't want to deal with it. Um, it makes them have to face some of their own biases, right? And so by having a course race team, I think we both, you know, without even trying, disarm people, right? And so yeah. for those who might be feeling, um, I really don't want to talk to a, a Black consultant about how I'm feeling, Renee is there, right? <laughs> and vice versa. And so that's why the caucusing that Renee mentioned works. But I think we, um, and we model, I think with the way that we work together, uh, we model that we respect one another's differences, um, that we both feel like we bring something valuable to this relationship and to this training that we do together. And so we model for people what working collaboratively across race, collaboratively across race looks like. Yeah. Um, and so I think it just, I think it just works and it makes people, it, it disarms people. People don't have to feel threatened or having to be defensive. Um, but because the person that's talking to you is of a different race, it may not understand how you're feeling. Yeah. Yeah. Of yeah. course. Yeah. Um, well, tell everyone a little bit more about the training in general. I understand that it's called the seeds of change and this is a board training, correct? Yeah, it's called Planting the Seeds of Change, right? A Journey Towards Diversity, Equity, Inclusion, and Belonging. And Renee and I have come together. Um, we have a pretty basic template that we use, but we, we, we alter it depending on the client and the needs of the client. And so we have some things that we have in place, but sometimes we have to alter it a little bit depending on who it is that we're working with. Uh, and Renee has done a really good job with that. She seems to know how to read the client and know, well, this may not work. Like, so for instance, I know what one client, we talked a lot about white supremacy culture and what that looks like. And then 
you know, when we were dealing with a client in the deep south, Renee said, mm, I'm not sure that language is going to go over so well. So let's re let's try to smooch it and change it around a little bit. So we we will change our training around to adjust to who the client is, right, based on what the, what the, what the issue is, and then who the client is, and what part of the country. So in the Deep South, dealing and working with clients in the Deep South is going to be very different than working with clients out West where Renee yeah. is. So. Yeah, and you guys have that experience, because I wouldn't have known that that might not go over so well in the Deep South. Mm. Yeah. yeah, I mean, and another part of this is like, we have each met many boards. And so we're bringing, I mean, we're, we're also bringing our, our knowledge and kind of our, our expertise on what makes boards work well. So, you know, so, so it's like, we have this, like, we talk with boards about, you know, what are some of the formal practices that are, that your board is, is, has put into place or not put into place? How are you building positive relationships and how are you bringing in equity? And so, so we just have just worked with an organization, for example, that had no term limits. And we're like, okay, yes, you need to bring equity and we need to start talking about race and power and all of this. And if you want to revitalize and refresh your board, a best practice of board, you know, yeah. a, a board governance is term limits. So you get some new people on the board, all of that. So yeah. it's like, we we're trying to help boards overall understand what are some practices that are going to contribute to to their success and to a really positive environment for every single person? Yeah. You know, at this point, a lot of times before we can even get to the the equity stuff, we realize that some of the formal practices that she's mentioned are not in place. Like, you yeah. know, yeah. like you said, don't have term limits or they don't take minutes at meetings. Some things that you know you should just have in place in order for you to be a healthy and operating board are just absent. And so yes. it kind of it, it trickles over into these other areas, right? And so a lot of times we when we do our assessment, because when we first start working with you, we do a, a deep dive assessment on who you are, right? We, we review yeah. all your collateral, we interview your board members, we might interview some staff members, sometimes we'll do a survey. And in doing that, we uncover some things like these formal practices. I'm that sure are you do. <laughs> I'm sure you do. Yeah. And I, I hear that a lot. I hear that a lot. People serving the nonprofit sector, uh, if you're helping them with one thing, they're probably going to come to you for help on everything else. And so you have to be really well connected to other resources. Um, and, and I'll say for anyone who wants to work with you two, you are both extremely well connected. Um, in the nonprofit sector. So, I mean, that's hu hugely beneficial that you guys are able to assist with lots of other things outside of the specific focus of this training. Um, that's a huge yes. strength of you two. Um, I, I, I want to know and maybe just like speak with our listeners about uh, why you found it important to, because um, I, th I think the most common way people people speak about this topic is DEI, but you've chose to include and belonging. Can you speak to why you chose to do that? Hmm. Let's see. <laughs> uh, I think it's it's really uh, part of a little bit. It kind of goes back to um, each the importance of each person. So so the, we take belonging as um, let's say it, there's a circle, and every single person comes into the circle and is is seen and honored, and you know and and there isn't a sense of like, we up here are letting you in, right? That's, yeah. it's not that it's actually much more. 
this kind of equal participation, which is yeah. belonging. Yeah. Um, I'm affirmed for all parts of my identity and I can bring all parts of my identity to this at, you know, to this board, to this organization. Yeah. Um, it's very challenging for some organ, you know, for some boards and, and it's really, it's pretty obvious. It's actually something that people who do not feel a sense of belonging will talk about and share that they would like to have more of that so they can contribute, you know, all of their, their ideas. Yep. So yep. the lady, you know, boards are like nonprofits that they can be hierarchical, right? And so we know uh, the, the board chair sits at the top and then you have the executive cabinet and then you have the committees and then you have the board members and then you have the executive director. And often, you know, people will sit back and wait for one person at the top to make all the decisions. And so um, there may not be a history where power has been shared. Right. Yeah. And so if year after year, you know, that same person is there because there are no term limits and they're not leaving <laughs> or when they do leave, they just promote the friends that they have who look right. like them. Yeah. The guys at the bottom who are kind of just sitting around waiting to see, OK, was anyone going to listen to see what I have to say? Can I weigh in? Can I possibly lead something? Can I be the committee chair of something? Uh, if that's not happening at the top because the people at the top are not really allowing those others to share that power, then we have a problem. Yeah. Uh, so we really feel like this belonging piece is so important because you can diversify people. You can diversify your board and bring in yeah. lots of different people, right? And then you can even say, we'll include you. You can come to a meeting. <laughs> We're not going to change our culture or anything, but you can right. come. <laughs> yeah. But belong the belonging piece is taking that next step and saying, not only are we going to diversify and we're going to include you, but we're going to see you, right? Exactly. And seeing yeah. you means we're going to change some things about who we are. We're going to change our culture. We're going to change our mindset. We're going to change our policies and our practices. And we're going to start acting differently. We're going to recognize you on the holidays that you celebrate. You know, yeah. we're going to recognize the things that are important to you. And so that is what we're talking about. This whole culture shift is a mindset shift that a lot of people won't go that extra step to take. Yeah. Yeah, of course. I think, um, you know, I've been in an organization where there were huge culture changes. And one thing that I experienced was uh, the inclusion of Juneteenth in a list of um, acceptable paid time off holidays included in the handbook, but also three floating holidays where staff can take days off that are most important to them and their culture. Because yes. um, like you see a lot of this floating holiday, but it's typically used in conjunction with uh, religious or federal holidays already. So like if it's a random day of the week, like you can add that to your Monday or Friday to like extend that like weekend or something like that. But um, not everyone sees those as important days to them. Um, right. mm -hmm. So yeah, I, mm -hmm. I think these things are super important. And like, like I love like seeds of change. Cause like when you plant that one little small change um, that makes a difference and that can be super meaningful uh, for mm -hmm. someone on your team or your leadership. Well, we suggest our clients put together a, a DEI calendar so that you can see things like Pride Month in June, yeah. you know, Hispanic and Latino Month in September, and the, the yeah. Valley, I think, is, in, is also in the fall. So just all, some of you, I mean, we know that Kwanzaa and some of the Jewish holidays have, have been recognized, but some of these other holidays are now important, yeah. uh, should also be included on that calendar. Yeah. And I personally, um, from personal experience, I always feel alienated around Christmas. Because I actually never was raised 
as Christian or, or um, celebrating Christmas. And so, you know, every company wants to give you time off around Christmas and the holidays and like do all of these themed events. And um, I think often when it's like that dominant culture, it's, um, it's hard to, to be mindful that not everyone has that culture. I think the, the other thing I would add, I mean, going back to this idea of informal practices, which are really like, what are, what are the ways that you're building like a pos- positive relationships and positive connection on the board? What we've been hearing over the past, you know, since pandemic times, people are very thoughtful about where they put their time. Yes. If they don't feel good about something, they just don't want to do it. Yeah. yeah. So it's, it's, it's actually, it's like a strategic imperative basically for this board to build a culture where people feel good about yeah. coming and showing up because they can be they themselves. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, it's like the patience level for this kind of thing has just gone way down, you know? So yeah. it's like, if you're not going to treat me with, with love and respect, I will go elsewhere. Right. right. So, yeah. 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 I totally feel that. And I think a lot of times people are like, I don't think it's my job to, to fight for the right to be myself, right? In this situation, I can probably just find somewhere that's got to do that. Right. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course. Uh, well, what are some of the main principles that you guys use in the work that you're doing with these boards? Yeah, we, we like the Awake the Wolf to Work approach. Um, we're organizing- Can you repeat that? Awake to Woke to Work. Oh, it's- okay. um, by equity in the center and uh, where organizations travel through these cycles in order for them to get to us, get to a point where there's equity or, you know, the word woke. I know people are really weirded out by that word. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's no longer politically correct, but we do like that approach where organizations first kind of in the awake stage recognize there's a problem and they, and they work to, diversify and change some of the way it looks, the way it feels. Uh, and then they go through the work stage where they start assigning <clears throat> individuals um, and people to start putting some things into place, um, disaggregating data, just kind of looking around to see what needs to change. And then yeah. in the last stage is the work stage where they're actually doing the work and making sure that the work is um, long-term and can be measured in terms of its success. Yeah. When you say the work, can you maybe describe some of what that actually is? The, the work stage? Yeah. Uh, so at this stage, you've already diversified your team or your board. Um, you've put some things in place. So now the work stage is you have your DEI task force. I still hate those words. Whatever, your crew, whatever you want to put together, you have them now in place. And so they are working actively to make sure that some of the goals that you have now shifted or reassigned or, um, or have recreated in order to make sure um, that people are seen and heard yeah. are, 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 are moving in a, in a positive direction. There's some, some benchmarks that have been put in place and this team is now working to make sure that we're measuring our performance against those benchmarks. I mean, the work is actually in play. Like all those okay. other things have happened already. Um, but the work is now in play and we're going to continue doing this work by 
having a plan, which is what Renee and I do at the end of our training. We, you know, we go through our whole training and we end our training by helping the board to come up with a plan that they can use six months, a year out with some goals and benchmarks that they create. We don't create those for them. We, we, you know, we talk that through with them, but we say to them, what is your, what are your wildly important goals? What are your wigs? Right. And so they come up with those and then we tell them, okay, well, this, if these are your goals, who's going to be responsible to do what? And at what point should, should you be by next year, by yeah, in yeah. six months, in three months? And so that's the work stage. Renee, okay. if you want to add anything? Oh my gosh. I, we have a lot of principles. I think one of them is we actually link this work. We really do link it very much to the mission of the organization. So we were just working with an organization that was in, was working on health for their community. And we just, we talked directly about who are the demographics that you're serving right now? Who is the demographics that the organization is serving? How does that compare with the demographics of, of the total community? And what do you want to do about that? And what role does the board have in all of that? Which was really, really interesting because I think the beginning, it was like, well, the organization's doing all, doing some of this, but then as it emerged, like the board had less of a role and you know, or was taking less of all. So it's like, how do you, if if one of your values is equity and that everybody has access to, you know, health information and health resources, what actions are you, the total organization, and really starting with the board, you know, gonna going to take to make that happen? So going back to every time, just going back to the mission of the organization as a way of getting of, of, you know, building the, of helping people to understand why this matters. Another one, we worked with an arts organization and it was like, well, again, um, where are, where are the facilities located right now? And who are you serving? And are you really serving your, the total community in terms of the racial diversity of this particular area? And I was like, no, not at all. You know? yeah. <laughs> okay. What do you want to do about that? And, yeah. and I mean, and so, so really going back to um, how, how is the mission of this organization, how, like let that meet up with ideas around equity and that everybody deserves to have access. Yeah. I love and that. Funny, you know, we, we also sometimes, I remember there was one organization we worked with, we went round and round and round about the definition of equity, right? We had to come, we had, to, oh, that, yeah. was, that was one yeah. of because we find that a lot of people have different definitions. When yes, you they do. Diversity, when you say words like equity, they, they, they all believe different things. Or we are diverse because we have people who live in different parts of the country, right? Yeah. <laughs> right. We're all diverse because, you know, we all speak, we don't all speak the same language. Like, so there are like different things that people think about when they think about diversity or equity. And we, we've gone through that exercise. We've had some board members who say, I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to, I don't want to try to define equity. Yeah. Yeah, I think one of our principles is like we want as when we start meeting with an organization or with some leaders, we are kind of we're doing some work to assess readiness. And so there is by working with us, there's a commitment that, yes, this is a group that um, wants to embrace diversity, equity, inclusion, belonging. And as Crystal mentioned, yeah, there are some people who are resistant and to to this work and it may be that the organization is moving in a certain direction and those people may not come along that's okay not everybody you know yeah not everybody can come along yeah 
Yeah, I actually, in getting prepared for the interview with you guys, I was looking at an article on Forbes and there were so many awesome contributors about questions you should ask before starting um, some DEI programming or strategic planning. Um, you know, and one of those questions was, do we agree on what this means? Do we even yeah. agree on what it means? Um, and I think to the point on, on what equity means, I remember, I don't know why this sticks so strong in my memory, but I specifically remember learning about this and I can't remember if it was in high school or where I was, but it was a, a videographic of saying diversity is inviting everyone to come and like watch a baseball game from the fence. And then it's so, like all these people like line up on the fence and like everyone's different heights. Right. And like some people can't even see like over the fence yes. and it said equity is making sure everyone can see over the fence. Like diversity is letting everyone come to the fence. And then equity is making sure that everyone can even see. So like some people get step stools, some people get to like be up on different levels or whatever. Um, and that's equity, but um, yeah, to your point, I think everyone sees it really differently. That was a helpful like videographic for me. Cause I'm like, Oh yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> Um, but it can be hard to like for people to wrap their heads around when, um, you know, people are so used to just hearing the term, maybe like equality or something like that, where it's that, that's totally different. Yeah. And so, I mean, I think another, another principle of this work is, um, how do we open up more perspectives and hear more perspectives? And sadly, I mean, sadly, we, our communities often are becoming more segregated, we're hearing from more people who look like us more of the time. And really, if we, if you want to have um, a, a strong board of directors, you know, well, one of my, you know, one of the principles of equity is people who are closest to the problems are weighing in on the solutions. So, you know, so really making sure that people who may have some knowledge about the situation that the, you know, clients of the organization are experiencing are there to weigh in and to have decision-making power. Yeah. yeah. That involves, you know, cr again, creating the space for listening to one another yeah. in a better way. Yeah. And I think to, to Crystal's point, like when you walk away, like some of these work, some of the work tasks might be as simple as for the board president to pay attention in the meeting. And if someone hasn't spoken up on a specific issue, um, to call that person out and say, do you have any feedback on this specific issue? I noticed you haven't like contributed anything yet, but that might be because that person's an introvert or because they feel uncomfortable mm -hmm. or because everyone in the room is louder, right? Like there, there are so many different aspects of someone not providing feedback on a situation where it might be helpful. Um, and that's, that's like a simple task to do, but like, we don't, we don't think about it. Even in like my team meetings now, I don't think about asking the person who hasn't contributed anything to provide feedback. Um, mm -hmm. But that would be an opportunity to get more diverse perspective. And I think, I mean, I think there probably is a tendency to, to, to want to like mentor somebody who looks like me, right? And, you know, like that's the, okay. And how do you go beyond that and say, um, all right, I'm going to be conscious that I, you know, I might be biased to do that. And so I want to encourage every single person and really like build belonging so that even somebody who, or let's say we, we recruit a couple of board members who are people of color and they'd be maybe feeling like, I don't really know what's going on here. I'm new. Da, da, da. What do I need to do as a more experienced board yeah. member, you know, to, to build belonging. And it's conscious. It's yeah. conscious. Yeah. Action. And I bet we'll start seeing a lot more of that. Cause I don't know if you guys, Renee, you might have heard this data in my presentation in Denver, but 75% of the workforce is going to be millennial. And the second greatest generation in the workforce is going to be Gen Z um, in a couple of years. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that's, mm -hmm. that's gonna start happening across boards, um, in leadership and nonprofit organizations too. 
Um, so I think that will be super important. Mm-hmm. Um, I love this question. So I, I want to ask this. Um, what's one thing that you guys have learned since you started the training that you might not have known before? I, I was going to say that um, this kind of goes back to one of the principles of the training, which is, I, I want to say the power of the mirror, right? We're not, we're not coming in with answers. We're actually coming in to reflect back what is happening on this board, but in a more balanced way. And it's really, it is extremely powerful for organizational leaders to get that mirror. It's not always easy because sometimes it's like, wow, well, there's 25% of people of the, let's say, white people on the board who really feel welcome here. And then there's the 75% who really are not very engaged. So that could be a painful, you know, a, a painful act. But then it's like, all right, this isn't what we want. So what are we going to do about it now? Yeah. Yeah. I, and I think for me, I think um, the importance of doing my own work first, right? Mm-hmm. And making sure um, that I was clear in my own head about where I stood yeah. about my race and how I was seen and viewed, how I viewed myself. Um, and so Renee and I often talk about um, race stories, right? And so we kind of doing your own race autobiography, if you will, which is an exercise that we do do with our clients. But Renee and I both have done that uh, on our own with, with, with our own selves. And then we've shared it with one another and we model that for people. But I think the importance of doing that and kind of really recognizing how did I grow up? Yeah. <laughs> you know, how was race talked about or not talked about? How were other people uh, from my parents and my, the people who were adults in my childhood, how were they displayed to me? You know, yeah. and so um, I think I, I did, since doing this work, I understand the importance of doing that self-assessment work. You know, I still take a selfie um, uh, doing that self-assessment work first. So I tell my clients and our clients, you got to do that first before you can even come to a board meeting. Like you have to really kind of figure out who you are and what you're willing to stand for. Yeah. Yeah. And, and once you, once you kind of come to that on your own, then you can come to a larger group and say, okay, this is who I am. This yeah. is who I am because I grew up this way because I was told to believe this way. Now I realize that I, I have some biases that I need to change. Right. So all of those things need to happen before you can even start doing this work. Yeah. Um, Crystal, have you seen or heard of or read the biography of Viola Davis? Yes. Oh yes. my gosh. The first two lines of that book. I don't know if you remember the interview. She was in an interview with Will Smith and he said, who are you? And she said, yes. well, I'm an app, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, yes. no, who are you? Yeah, no, that was an excellent book. Yeah, that's an excellent book. Yeah. Well, okay. So your eyes' answers are look at yourself in the mirror and take a selfie. Uh, oh, I do the same thing. Well, I just, just, I'm just kind of building on what Crystal said. I mean, I think like, wow, you, this is where this exercise, but when we do the training, we're not, we are not doing this as this is not a one shot training. This is a series of conversations with the board over a number of months that are building trust because yeah. this is your are We are getting vulnerable. We are encouraging board members to be vulnerable with each other. And it does take um, this trust building. But as we talk about our race stories and, you know, often learn, we often learn that in white households, it's impolite to talk about race. Mm-hmm. And, there, you know, there isn't this um, 
thought about hmm, how is race impacting how people are really conversation around um, how is race impacting people's experiences, which is very could be very different for, you know, and certainly I, I think that was very different from my, my experience and Crystal's experience. Um, and, and so then, you know, how does it lead to, or how does it impact the way that we each move in the world? Yeah. And yeah, it's really complicated and it's powerful for people on boards to start unpacking this and hearing from each other and, and understanding. I think sometimes we've heard from people who've said, Oh, I didn't know that you experienced racism. It's like, Oh my gosh, how could you not know? But I mean, it's, it, maybe there wasn't even space to talk about it. Right. You know? Yeah. Lady, I love those moments. It's usually a moment during our training where, you know, in the beginning, everyone is kind of polite. We're all saying the yeah. things, everyone's smiling and it's kumbaya. Uh, but usually it'll buckle up. You know, it'll will the conversation will continue and something will happen where someone will say something and then there's silence. And I'm like, yes, we're getting to the juicy part now. Mm. You know? <laughs> and then people start, you know, you can see people shifting in their seat, and they're getting a little uncomfortable. And that yeah. needs to happen. Yeah. For this work to happen. And so yeah. Uh, I can't wait until that part happens, you know, where people someone will say something that's triggering for someone or yeah. You know, or like the, t- the moment, you know, that everyone's going to go home and like talk about this with their significant other and say, you have to hear what happened in this meeting. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and like I said, it might be uncomfortable in the moment, but it gives us an opportunity to say to them, how do you feel about what just happened? Yeah. What made you uncomfortable? Like why? Yeah. 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 So that's the great part for me is when we have kind of like that aha moment. Yep. Yeah. And, and just going back to like a principle of this work is like, we're talking about behavior change. Yeah. And so yeah, there are going to be moments that feel uncomfortable. That's okay. Because if you don't feel uncomfortable, you're probably not going to change anything. Yeah. Like, so you're going to need to have some shifts in yeah. how you see the world. And hopefully, you know, hopefully a bit that are become like the world becomes a little bigger for you. And, you know, yes. but um, yeah. yeah. And behavior change is a lot easier said than done because uh, the thought that precedes behavior might still happen. But I love the quote that a thought is just a thought and a thought can be changed Um, because that's probably still going to come into your mind, but you need to be able to pause and like redirect. Um, Well, we have a little bit more time, but I'd love for you guys to share uh, maybe just briefly what the results have been and then where people can find you. Well, let's see. Um, the results have been, I mean, I, I think it varies with each organization. Some organizations get it. Uh, and we have one organization that didn't get it. Like, so sometimes, you know, it, it depends on the people, right? <laughs> uh, but what we usually get to a point where people are saying, you know, I, I'm different than I was when I first started the training. Yeah. Like, I, I recognize some things about myself. I recognize some things about my peer board members. I'm willing to make a shift. Um, I realized that what we've been doing is not working uh, and I want to work this plan that you guys have helped us create. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, usually there are some big truths that come out of the conversation that maybe were hard to talk about. You know, so one of them for a recent engagement was that it, it that the people of color on the board really felt that other board members were not committed to this work that the white board members were not committed to the work. And and they needed we needed in a very kind and gentle way 
for the for everyone on the board to hear that that you know that it seemed like the organization was committed to the this DEIB work, but there were some board members who weren't. And so then it's like again, um, they talked about it and they said, well, we do. I mean, and a majority of them, one or two, said we don't want to be on the board anymore. Okay, bye. Yeah. And then one or two, and then the the majority of them said. We care about this. We embrace all of the work and we, how do we, how are we better ambassadors for the total work that this organization is doing? And that was really like, we got them through this kind of blockage and then they, they started going to the next step of what they're trying to do. Yeah. Wonderful. Um, And where can people find you if they're interested in doing this work? Yeah, so both Renee and I have websites um, and our training, both of our, uh, both of our websites have our training on it. And so my, my website is theboardpro.com. And I am the Ross Collective. Yeah. And uh, yeah, we, we, you can contact either one of us for the, for the board training. We work together. Yes. yes. We'll we'll share links to both of you guys' website in the podcast notes as well. Um, Well, we always try to include a segment at the end of every episode called Good News for Nonprofits. Um, Do you guys have any good news that you can share with the sector? Renee, maybe we'll jump to you. Sure. I I feel inspired by um, how many people of all different races are reaching out to me and to the Ross Collective because they want to bring equity to their organization. Many, 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 many. And I, and it's interesting in my consulting work a long time ago, I, um, I thought, okay, I need to water down what I believe because that will make more people like interested. And then oh, what I learned is yeah. I can, <laughs> it's actually the opposite. I just need to really stand up for the fact that like I envision, I, we, you know, envision a world in which all people can thrive. Yeah. And we need to put the systems into it. We need to shift our systems to make that happen. Yeah. And it's like, I feel less alone in that work, even though, right. yeah, man, there are so many obstacles. There's so much, we have some bad news out there, but like, there's a lot of people who are, who are on the journey with us. And so I think it's a matter of just like, okay, how do we grab each other and start, you know, and continue to move this forward? Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Never water yourself down. I'm like a big believer of like taking up space, just like be as big as you can. <laughs> Thank you. Um, <laughs> and Crystal. <laughs> So, yeah, I just launched a new service. I'm doing some coaching with CEOs and board chairs. And I think there's a recognition that the relationship between these two, the board chair and the CEO, is really important. Yeah. Um, And I I love it when the board chair says, I really want you to provide some coaching to my CEO because I want her to feel I want her to feel affirmed. I want him to feel like we have his back or there's support there for him. Yeah. Um, that when we make our, our leader feel valued, the relationships between him or her and their staff, the relationships between him and her and the board will only get better. And so yeah. there's this investment in wanting to make sure the leaders at the top have the professional development training that they need, have the support that they need. There's a space where they can vent. Uh, you know, being a leader is a lonely place. Yes. So a place where there is someone who can listen to them, I think is really important. So I'm yeah. glad. There's some investment. We've had a lot of CEOs and executive directors retire after COVID. So we have this whole new crop of leaders now who need that kind of support. And I'm glad to see organizations are putting their monies where their mouth is. Yeah. Well, thank you for doing that. Yeah, I would say that uh, 
yeah, leadership can be super isolating. Um, and like, I know you mentioned that there can be like a hierarchy of power in a nonprofit organization and like an executive like suite level, but sometimes that's just the ED. <laughs> And like, that is not right. Like there's nothing for that person. There's nowhere for that person to go. Like, um, so that relationship is super important. Um, Mm -hmm. for doing that. Um, well, it's been really a pleasure speaking with you guys, um, about the training and learning more about what you both do. Um, thank you for joining us at Nonprofit Hub. Thank you for having us, Delaney. This has been fun. Renee and I love talking about this. (laughs) Thank you, Delaney. I know we could talk for the next five hours. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It's really been a pleasure. Um, And again, guys, make sure you check out the podcast notes that you can learn more about Renee and Crystal. Um, Thanks for joining us and we'll talk to you next week. Thanks for joining us for this Nonprofit Hub Radio podcast episode. For more resources on fundraising, marketing, and all things nonprofit, be sure to check out the number one nonprofit toolbox at nonprofithub.org. We hope you'll join us next week for another episode of the Nonprofit Hub Radio podcast.